0: So I don't know if you noticed this morning my made-up acclamation at the beginning of the service. Didn't quite follow the text. More the fact that the bulletin says the third Sunday in Lent, when in fact it's the fourth Sunday in Lent. Something about editors and headlines and typos sort of goes with my job this week. And then just this morning, as we were wrapping up choir rehearsal, I picked up my coffee. It slipped out of my hand and anointed the sanctuary. Beautiful. <laughs> And then I thought, you know, the story from Samuel, I thought, you know, Samuel goes to Bethlehem to find the new king of Israel, and not only does Jesse not bring all his sons, but when David shows up, Samuel anoints him with oil, and I thought, you know, Saul's kingship has been such a disaster. Wouldn't it have been better for Samuel simply to say to David, David, let's go to Pete's and have a talk. (laughs) Seeing is believing, right? That's what we used to say, seeing is believing. Although, if you follow American jurisprudence at all, you know that in recent years there's been a lot of questions about the validity of eyewitness testimony in trials. Times have changed. Maybe seeing is not quite believing anymore. And in fact, if you take today's Gospel and you look at it closely, you discover that it is more than seeing is believing. It's more that experience is believing. Today's Gospel passage from John, similar to last week's, has at the center of the story this anonymous person. Last week it was an anonymous woman of Samaria. This week it is an anonymous man who is born blind. And whenever John uses an anonymous figure as a primary character in the story, You know that John is not just talking about some story about an individual who met Jesus and experienced healing or profound conversion, but John is talking about his community. John is talking about the life of the Christian, moving through conversion. John is talking about us. Because the other thing that I often wonder when I get up in the morning is why are we here? You know, if you think about what it means to be living on the West Coast these days in a post-Christian context where most people are focused on their own individual spiritual journeys and lives, why is it that we have this little institution and we gather together as a community? Why do we bother? It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of sweat. And those of you who stuck around here long enough know it takes a lot of heartache, too. This is not easy work. Why do we do it? Why are we here? For John's community, at the end of the first century, that was a question they had to ask themselves as they found themselves, like the man born blind, pushed out of the synagogue, pushed out of their rootedness in a tradition that was thousands of years deep and suddenly find themselves alone with nothing more to go on, nothing more to go on than a claim that they had experienced the risen Christ. And they saw the world differently from the religious authorities of their day, even from the tradition that they had inherited. They saw with new eyes. They were no longer blind, but they saw with the light of Christ. And that meant their whole world was turned upside down. They were different. And they saw life very differently than most of their neighbors, and certainly their brothers and sisters, in the familiar community of the synagogue, where they were now marginalized, outsiders, outcasts, even. Isn't that a little bit like us? Maybe just a little bit? We We are outsiders for much of Southern Marin. Demographics tell us maybe five percent, five percent of Good people in Marin are affiliated with any organized religious institution and go on a regular basis. And that's everybody, Muslims, Jews, Christians. So think about the tiny percentage who come to Church of Our Savior. We are outsiders. Why? The beauty of this story about the man born blind is that he is probably one of the humblest figures in all of the New Testament. He does not confront the Pharisees with lofty arguments or highfalutin theology. He has not sat down like Paul and written reams of notes and letters. He has not traveled very far out of his hometown, because how could he travel? He couldn't see. He has grown up a life of begging. No, what he offers is unvarnished humility. And in that unvarnished humility, he simply claims the validity of his own experience an encounter with Christ that has completely overturned his world. So much so that everyone is astonished, and his parents even are sort of scurrying for cover out of fear. And he is confronted with the religious authorities, give glory to God, they tell him, which is code for affirm our judgments. Because that is what the Pharisees have done, right? They have scurried to their chairs of judgment and are much more concerned about the keeping of the traditions they have inherited than any healing experience that might bring new life. Because that is what this story is about. The light in the world bringing new life and life that the world may not understand. because it is life that is not built on the structures of power and authority and aspiration that the rest of the world is built on. It is a new life, a new world, a new kingdom that is based on the love of God for the whole of the human family and each one of us. And that is, as they say, a whole different volume. So much so, in fact, that theologians wonder about the emphasis on the Sabbath in this passage, and they think it may hearken back to Genesis. And if you remember the story in Genesis, God rests on the seventh day, establishing the Sabbath. But in fact, what John is telling us is that God in Christ is still creating, has not reached that point of rest yet. The Sabbath has not arrived, certainly not for the man born blind, and perhaps not for us either. God is working God's new creation in each of us. And the fact that we are here this morning says that we have experienced something that makes us different. That makes us different from the way the rest of the world operates. That separates us from those who cloy only after power and aspiration and call that good enough. It says somewhere deep down each of us has determined for ourselves through an encounter with Christ that what the world has to offer is not enough for life. We need something more. And my brothers and sisters, it is that authentic experience for each of us and us together as a community that sustains us. That we affirm each week when we take the broken bread and the common cup. When we share out of God's abundant grace for those in need. When we wake up in the morning and realize our lives have more value than what the economists and the politicians and those who broker power in this world tell us. That is what makes us, as the letter to the Ephesians would have it, children of the light. And we are called to share that, to follow after Christ not with lofty ideas, or great theological concepts, not with even the profound poetry of the Book of Common Prayer, although that's lovely, isn't it? But out of the humility of our experience. Because that, you see, is like the experience of the man born blind. It is unassailable. It is light. It shines a bright light on the circular arguments and the self-referential logic of the powers of this world and ushers in a new creation, one that is unfolding in our midst even now, one that brings hope, a new life for a world in need. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at at oursaviormv.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V, for Mill Valley, dot We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.